Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark and thank you for joining us again. We're going to be going back to the 1920s for this podcast and we're going to be listening to the music of Fletcher Henderson and his orchestra. Actually, uh, for the purposes of the recordings we're listening to, they were called the Dixie Stompers. It was kind of a, a pseudonym or a nom de disque uh, for a subset of recordings that the Henderson band made. First of all, Fletcher Henderson was born in 1897 in Cuthbert, Georgia. He went to the University of Atlanta. He was a chemistry major. He was a very good student. He'd also been playing music since he was a a little boy. His uh, mother, I believe, was a piano teacher. His father was a professor. And so he started studying piano as children do, but uh, showed an aptitude for it. And he was a a good reader. He was a classical pianist, uh, presumably played some popular music at home, but uh, he didn't really... uh, look at that as a career path. Uh, After he graduated from the University of Atlanta, he went to New York to start graduate studies in chemistry, but he uh, pretty quickly found that it was expensive living in New York and he needed uh, to supplement his income. So he did that by playing piano. He found that he was a good enough pianist that uh, some of the African-American groups, the Clef Club and and so forth, would hire him to come in and and do substitute work. Uh, He also found that he could accompany singers very well, so he started picking up more and more work in New York, and uh, his studies went further and further in the background. By about 1921, he was recording frequently for the Black Swan label, uh, the first African-American record label owned and operated by African-Americans and and featuring entirely African-American talent. And Henderson uh, had a good source of income as accompanist to singers like Ethel Waters, also to classical musicians uh, who were recording on there. And he started leading some band dates as well, performing some popular music. He uh, became the recording director of Black Swan for a while, but then went out on tour leading the band that backed Ethel Waters. Ethel Waters passed Jazz Masters on one of their tours in about 1921-22. He toured around the country. He ended up in New Orleans. He met Louis Armstrong and uh, made an offer for him to come back to New York and join his band, which Louis Louis did not do at the time. But Henderson ended up back in New York in late 1922, early 1923, and started uh, recording uh, in earnest. He had a, a group of musicians who were kind of his stock company of, of, of first call musicians for recordings. And the recording companies would call him in to record pop tunes of the day, sometimes to accompany singers as well. And it was after one of those recording sessions, and I think it was the spring of 1923, that they heard about a, an opportunity to uh, play at a club. I think it was the club Alabama uh, in New York. And so they went and auditioned playing the music that they had just recorded because they had their sheet music, the stock arrangements with them. And that's how they were making those recordings, which I went primarily with stock arrangements, and they got the job. And Henderson expanded the band a little bit, and uh, it was off and running for him. He was a band leader with a couple of little interruptions until uh, the late 1940s, when uh, ill health overtook him finally. So after he founded his full-time band at the Alabama and then at the Roseland Ballroom, uh, he started adding musicians who were uh, well-known and who became jazz uh, trendsetters in the, in the future. Of course, Coleman Hawkins on tenor sax was with him for over a decade. Louis Armstrong came in and played for about a year with him. Uh, Buster Bailey on clarinet, Charlie Green on trombone, quite a few other musicians uh, passed through his ranks in the 1920s as well. Don Redmond was kind of his right-hand man. He is considered the father of jazz arranging uh, and is often given credit for arranging most of the Fletcher Henderson's 
uh, orchestra's book from the 1920s. But what he really did, he certainly did do some compositions and arrangements, but he probably was more the music director and uh, utilized published stock arrangements, orchestrations, uh, and changed them uh, somewhat, doctored them as it used to be called. He added introductions and endings, uh, supplied space for solos. He sort of divvied up the, 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 the spots in the stock arrangement to feature the various members of the Henderson Band in a compelling fashion. And that developed into the idea of the big band arrangement. As the bands were growing, um, they couldn't simply do collective improvisation the way the New Orleans-style jazz bands were wont to do, so they had to develop some ideas of organization, and it started with these stock arrangements. Why all of that? Well, these Dixie Stompers recordings, which were made uh, beginning in November of 1925 and carrying uh, through to 1928 off and on, were generally devoted to publisher's stock arrangements. These were done for the Harmony label, which was a subsidiary of Columbia. Henderson was recording for Columbia at the time. That was the main label. He recorded for lots of other companies as well. But uh, the Harmony label, budget label, was a, a cheaper records. It was also cheaper production quality and presumably paid Henderson less money. Uh, these recordings are all made by the old acoustic process. By late 1925, the big labels, Columbia, Victor, and even Vocalion and so forth, were uh, trending to uh, the electric recording process by which musicians were uh, recorded by microphones, which doesn't sound all of that uh, innovative to us today, but it was a big step from recording into a, an acoustic horn, like the old His Master's voice horns on the RCA Victor labels. But that's how recordings were made up until then. And the Harmony label continued to do that uh, through the late 1920s. So you can get a sense of how committed Columbia was to uh, the product there. These were really just um, publicity arms for the big uh, music publishers who would supply these arrangements and have bands such as uh, Fletcher Henderson come in and just read them down. They probably didn't rehearse them too much. Uh, with a few exceptions, it's, it's unlikely that they played them on the jobs or had them as part of their regular repertoire, but uh, these musicians were so good they could do a very creditable job and add some good jazz feeling to these arrangements as well. So usually these uh, Dixie Stompers sessions were performed by fewer musicians than were in the regular Henderson Band. By late 1925, the Henderson Band was three trumpets, one or two trombones occasionally, three saxes, and then a rhythm section of piano, banjo, tuba, and drums. The first Dixie Stomper session, which was from November 23rd of 1925, consisted of two trumpets, one trombone, three reeds, and in this case, piano, uh, banjo, and drums with no bass. Basses didn't pick up too well on the acoustic process, so they were often left out. Uh, minus the bass, this was a 10-piece band that was the exact instrumentation that dance band orchestrations were written for. So if you went to your local music store and bought an arrangement of Clap Hands, Here Comes Charlie, which we're going to hear in a minute, you would get a 10-piece dance band arrangement. Maybe an 11th piece would be the violin, but they didn't use that on the Dixie Stomper sides. So these are pretty much uh, closely um, performed stock arrangements with some extra solos and so forth thrown in. But it's a tribute to the Henderson Band and their jazz feeling, even at this point, that they could make such compelling music out of these pretty generic arrangements. So on the first session or two, uh, we are going to hear in the 
cornet section or trumpet section, Russell Smith playing lead, and his brother Joe Smith playing the jazz. Uh, this was only about three weeks after Louis Armstrong left the band to return to Chicago. It's a pity that uh, uh, these didn't start up a little earlier, or Louis Armstrong didn't hang on a little later, because it would have been interesting to have heard him in this context as well. We will hear Charlie Green on trombone, Don Redman playing lead alto sax and clarinet and some vocals, Buster Bailey playing uh, alto, clarinet, and some soprano sax, Coleman Hawkins playing tenor sax and clarinet, and some bass sax as well. He uh, was playing bass sax at this point, occasionally on the, the commercial recordings, but on these uh, Dixie Stompers recordings, his bass sax early on was very prominent, maybe to make up for the lack of a tuba. In the rhythm section, we of course have Fletcher Henderson on piano, Charlie Dixon on banjo, and Kaiser Marshall on drums. And these Dixie Stompers also gave Henderson himself a lot more leeway as a soloist. He didn't uh, play too many piano solos on the full band recordings, but on these, he seemed to uh, have a lot of energy in his playing. Uh, he was not known as a great jazz pianist, but uh, he certainly was uh, at, his, at his peak on these recordings that we'll be hearing. So, the first recording we're going to hear is called Get It Fixed. And uh, this was from, uh, actually, December 22nd of 1925, featuring the band I just mentioned. Then we're going to go back to Clap Hands, Here Comes Charlie, as I mentioned, from just about a month before, November 23rd of 1925. Then we're going to hear uh, Nervous Charlie Stomp. Nervous Charlie Stomp was uh, credited to Nicola and Crozier. Rube Crozier was a... Uh, 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 saxophone player, I believe. Nicola, I don't know if that might actually be a misprint for Red Nichols, which very well could be. This is a tune that has the earmarks of some of those white Red Nichols groups from that period. After that, we will hear High Diddle Diddle, which is kind of a, a nursery rhymey tune by Kuhn and Keidel. And we're going to end up with Static Strut, which was a uh, jazz tune by Phil Wall and uh, Jack Yellen. And this was a tune that uh, was recorded by a number of big bands from this period. I should mention Get It Fixed was by Clar or actually Spencer Williams. We'll feature a Don Redmond vocal. And Clap Hands, Here Comes Charlie was one of the big pop tunes of the early 1920s by Meyer Rose and McDonald. So those are our Dixie Stompers recordings uh, from this period. Uh, Get It Fixed, Clap Hands, Here Comes Charlie. N nervous Charlie Stomp, High Diddle Diddle, and Static Strut. Thank you. 
My sweet mama, daddy said, to treat me proper, don't come to telling me a lot of lies, but the lion girl I do despise. Daddy said, yes, I'm screaming, I'm on to all your trends. I don't want no messing around with my sweet love, so mama, business.
So as I mentioned, these recordings by the Dixie Stompers were primarily done uh, with stock arrangements, those published orchestrations that you could get for very little money, a dollar and a half, two dollars, something like that, for the full set of parts. And uh, the ones we've heard so far, I believe, were all done, uh, all stock arrangements, and they were done by arrangers like Frank Skinner, uh, Arthur Lang. There were quite a few uh, people who were doing arrangements at that time. These were mostly white arrangers, although there were a number of black arrangers who were rec uh, doing things for uh, the Melrose Brothers Publishing Company out in Chicago, and also uh, a handful in New York as well. One of the best of the early stock arrangers is someone we've done a podcast on, in fact, two podcasts on, Archie Blyer. I don't believe any of these uh, that we'll be hearing today were based on Archie Blyer arrangements, although there were a couple that uh, Henderson did record, both as the Dixie Stompers and as his full man. So these stocks are, are really an important part of early jazz history in terms of these recordings and dance music and so forth. So we started out with Get It Fixed, featuring a vocal by Don Redman, uh, Spencer Williams' tune, and um, from there moved on to Clap Hands, Here Comes Charlie, which gave us some bass sax done by Coleman Hawk in there. Nervous Charlie Stomp, some nice clarinet in there by Buster Bailey and trombone by Charlie Green. And then uh, the last two, High Diddle Diddle and Static Strut, uh, give us some idea of why Coleman Hawkins was uh, the tenor saxophonist to beat at the time, 1925-1926 in there. He was really just coming into his own. Uh, he had learned quite a good deal in the year that Louis Armstrong had been with the band, although he, had, he was a pretty evolved instrumentalist just on his own, but uh, somehow the the, the the influence of Armstrong and what was called the Western style, the jazz style from New Orleans and Chicago, uh, was a big uh, bonus for New York musicians. And uh, that one year that Armstrong spent in New York was transformative for many, many musicians and bands. So High Diddle Diddle, as I mentioned, it's kind of a nursery rhymey tune, but had a nice arrangement to it and a nice little swing as well. And then we ended up, as I said, with Static Strut uh, by Phil Wall and Jack Yellen. That was something that was also recorded by Jack Pettis and uh, the Ben Burney Band. Most of these arrangements were recorded numerous times by bands in the 20s, and you can hear the similarities in the arrangements. Sometimes the arrangements were even identical, although the Henderson Band obviously did have such a... a, a, a a surfeit of soloists, uh, they would put in a lot more jazz than some of the local bands or even some of the white bands on the national level would have done. So Static Strut was by a, uh, the band we uh, I had mentioned earlier with the addition of Rex Stewart on cornet. Rex Stewart was Louis Armstrong's first replacement and he came in uh, towards the beginning of 1926 and he stayed for a few months but he didn't feel like he was up to the task and so he actually left uh, not long after that but he did a few recordings commercially including the Stampede of course but also uh, some of these Dixie Stompers sides. So, uh, we heard Russell Smith and Joe Smith, along with Rex Stewart on cornet on that one, and on the next one too, Charlie Green on trombone, Buster Bailey, Don Redman, and Coleman Hawkins in the reed section, Fletcher Henderson on piano. We did hear Ralph Escudero on tuba, so there is a, uh, a bass player on most of these recordings going forward, uh, tuba anyway, and Charlie Dixon on banjo, and Kaiser Marshall on drums. And that static strut was from April 14th of 1926, as will be the first tune on the uh, next set, which will be Alabama Stomp. And that was by uh, James P. Johnson and uh, Henry Creamer. This was done for uh, a black uh, show, uh, off-Broadway, I guess you'd have to say, show in 1926, and a stock was issued by um, 
Frank Skinner that was a very good stock. You're going to hear some very hot playing on here, uh, especially by Rex Stewart on Cornet, who gets some, some good solo uh, opportunities as well. So following that, we're going to go to a tune called Have It Ready, which was, uh, I believe, a Fletcher Henderson tune. Um, it says Henderson. I think that's who it was. And uh, this is a little more of a jazzy tune. We'll also uh, hear a slightly different band. Joe Smith is still on cornet, of course. Um, we have Tommy Ladnair, who had come in to play the, the hot jazz cornet style, the bluesy style that Louis Armstrong had. Joe Smith played a more refined style of cornet, much more measured and, and proper, but still very interesting soloistically. So the two of them uh, were good bookends, and we're going to hear a tune coming up which will feature both. We have Benny Morton and or Jimmy Harrison on trombones. It's a little hard to disentangle who played trombone. In the regular band that was recording for Columbia and Vocalion, there were two trombones, and that's uh, what the arrangements called for that Don Redmond did and uh, some of the other ones. But these Dixie Stompers uh, recordings, as I said, were based on the stocks that only had one trombone part, so usually they only brought in one. But here it might be two, and I think there are a couple places where you can sort of hear two trombones playing in uneasy unison, you'd have to say. Don Redmond, Buster Bailey, and Coleman Hawkins are still there, as are Fletcher Henderson, Charlie Dixon, and Kaiser Marshall. And now we have June Cole on tuba. And uh, this tune, Have It Ready, was from January 20th of 1927. So we have the Henderson band really growing into something extraordinary. And these Dixie Stomper sides, while a little more casual, are still uh, pretty impressive in their own right. We're going to hear also from that session, Snag It, the King Oliver tune. And this was done from a stock that was issued by the Melrose Brothers in uh, Chicago. And we're going to hear the two trumpets on here. We're going to hear Tommy Ladnier playing something in the style of King Oliver at the beginning. And then uh, towards the end, there's a famous break, which we will hear, played by Joe Smith. And then the outcourses are led by him. Then we're going to hear two tunes uh, after that, um, from March 23rd of 1927, basically the same band, Don Pasquale uh, comes in to play for Don Redman, who was temporarily uh, out of the band for some reason. I'm not exactly sure why. I think this was around the time that he uh, had to go back to West Virginia. I think this was around the time that they were playing at the Roseland opposite uh, the Gene Goldkett Band with Bix Beiderbeck. And Benny Carter remembered that he subbed with the Henderson Band because uh, Redmond had to go back for a funeral. I think his father had passed away, and this might be around the same time. But Don Pasquale uh, subs with this band, then playing lead alto. And then otherwise, the same band. And we're going to hear two tunes from that session, the Wabash Blues and the Wang Wang Blues, and both of these, again, from stock arrangements. So those are our five tunes leading up to this next set. We're going to hear Alabama Stomp, Have It Ready, Snag It, the Wabash Blues, and Wang Wang Blues. Thank you. 
truly one of the most torrid recordings the Henderson Band ever made. I believe it was partly based on a stock, but it was freed up a great deal. Some marvelous uh, Tommy Ladner playing some really driving uh, cornet in there, along with some great uh, Jimmy Harrison, I believe, on trombone and Coleman Hawkins on tenor sax, even a little bit of a scat vocal by Don Redman as we went along, too. We started out that set with Alabama Stomp from, uh, let's see, it was 1926, October 10th, and we heard in there some Rex Stewart again on cornet, and uh, a little bit of Coleman Hawkins on tenor sax, and some clarinet trio work by the Reed section. The clarinet trio was a very important part of of these dance band arrangements. Uh, Most of the saxophone players of that day played reasonable clarinet and could be expected to double on uh, uh, clarinets and occasionally flutes and double reeds and so forth. So a good stock arranger would uh, change textures and uh, utilize some of those resources as well. And we hear those in many, many jazz arrangements from that period. Following that, we heard... Have It Ready, which was a Fletcher Henderson tune. That was a, a, a kind of an innovative big band tune. He recorded that twice, once for uh, Harmony doing uh, the version we just heard with the Dixie Stompers, and then in a somewhat more developed form uh, for, uh, I think it was Vocalion or Columbia, one or the other, uh, a few months later. And you can tell that the band had been working on it in the interim. So this was not a stock, at least not as far as we know. It was something that was in the band's repertoire that they recorded this time and then uh, in probably in a better way later on for the commercial uh, recordings. And this was something that happened several times uh, during the Dixie Stompers' uh, discographical life. They recorded St. Louis Shuffle and uh, Variety Stomp as well, which were both in the big band um, book at the time too, although one of them, I think it was actually St. Louis Shuffle, was recorded uh, by uh, the Henderson Band for Victor before the Dixie Stompers recording, which was kind of strange. And so this one represents a later uh, point in the, in the, in the uh, process of, of development. So not, not always an easy uh, answer to how, where these arrangements came from. So then we heard Snag It, which was that great King Oliver tune done uh, from a stock by the Melrose Company. This uh, featured both trumpets. It started out with that nice bluesy trumpet of Tommy Ladnier, and then ended up with the much more refined but still hot trumpet, uh, cornet I should say, of Joe Smith. In between times we heard some more clarinet by Buster Bailey and tenor sax by um, 
uh, Coleman Hawkins as well. Then the two tunes uh, from the one session that I mentioned from March 23rd of 1927, uh, the Wabash Blues and Wang Wang Blues. Wabash Blues was another one that featured the two cornet players, and this time in reverse order. It started out with Joe Smith and ended up with Tommy Ladnier, but then the Wang Wang Blues really was uh, Tommy Ladnier all the way through. That was, a, that was a real stomper of a performance. So as time was going on, the Henderson Band was uh, sort of getting into a groove in terms of its style. At the uh, arrangements uh, that Don Redman and then later Benny Carter and Henderson would make were making use of the sections, the sax section as opposed to the brass section, and even subdividing the brass into trumpets and trombones, which of course was a hallmark of the big swing bands of the 1930s, middle 1930s and on, and Henderson himself was an architect of that style with the Benny Goodman Band. He was their chief arranger for a while. So we're going to hear four more Dixie Stompers recordings and get us a little bit further along the, uh, the line of evolution here into the swing era. We're going to hear uh, W.C. Handy's Great St. Louis Blues next. And this is a kind of a loose performance. I don't believe this was based on a stock, or not much anyway. And we're going to hear Tommy Ladner and Joe Smith again. One of the two trombonists, Morton or Harrison, Don Redmond, Buster Bailey, Coleman Hawkins, along with Henderson, Charlie Dixon, June Cole, and Kaiser Marshall. This is from May 12th of 1927 for Harmony. And then we're going to jump up a little bit uh, to October of 1927 and hear... Uh, Two tunes from that uh, session, Goose Pimples by um, Joe Trent and Fletcher Henderson. This was a jazzy tune that was picked up by uh, Bix Beiderbeck and Frank Trumbauer and his orchestra. And uh, this was uh, probably from a stock. We're not sure about where it came from. These stocks were uh, considered very uh, transient musical devices. And uh, when a band got tired of it, it would simply throw it away. They were not archived or anything like that. Then we're going to hear from the same session, The Baltimore, which was a dance, and this is a tune that was recorded by many groups, including Frank Trumbauer's, uh, this is by Jimmy McHugh, and supposedly was arranged by Jack Purvis. I believe he was the stock arranger. Jack Purvis was uh, kind of a nut of a trumpet player and very uh, undependable and undisciplined, and stories about him are legion. At some point we may do a podcast on him, although... Everything that's been said about Jack uh, Purvis uh, would have to be said again. He's definitely someone to look up, a very colorful Jazz Age character. At any rate, if he did arrange this, he was a pretty good arranger as well, doing the Baltimore. Then we're going to finish up with um, a more modern <laughs> 1928 version of the Henderson Band, doing a tune uh, called Feeling Good by Murphy and Yellen. And this is a, a nice, uh, more swing-leaning tune, I guess I'd have to say, even though it was 1928. And the band here features Bobby Stark on trumpet, and he was a much more swing-related uh, stylist than either Tommy Ladnier or um, Joe Smith, or for that matter, Rex Stewart. And we can hear him playing with the Henderson Band and also with the Chick Webb Band later on. Jimmy Harrison is on trombone, same uh, reed section, and the same rhythm section. So that's from April 6th of 1928, feeling good. So those are our four tunes for this set. The St. Louis Blues, Goose Pimples, The Baltimore, and Feeling Good. Thank you. 
So that was the Fletcher Henderson Band, recording under the name of the Dixie Stompers for the Harmony label, Harmony being the subsidiary for Columbia. So we get used to those boxy-sounding acoustic recordings if we want to uh, hear the great music that's included in there, and there was some really, really tremendous playing by the members of the Henderson Band. We heard St. Louis Blues, which was a very loose performance, probably no arrangement there, just a head chart in 1927. That was already a standard, and uh, that was done on May 12th. Of 1927, and the band was Tommy Ladner and Joe Smith on cornet, probably Jimmy Harrison on trombone, Don Redmond, Buster Bailey, and Coleman Hawkins in the reed section, and Fletcher Henderson, Charlie Dixon, June Cole, and Kaiser Marshall in the rhythm section. We even heard a little tuba solo in there by June Cole. I neglected to mention there was a good banjo solo on, um, I think it was uh, uh, Wabash Blues uh, in the previous set. 
So after St. Louis Blues, we heard two tunes from the October 24th, 1927 session, and we heard Goose Pimples and Baltimore, both of which were done fairly evolved arrangement. Certainly the Baltimore was. Uh, Jack Purvis credited as the arranger of that. I don't know about the Goose Pimples. It was probably, um, might have been a Fletcher Henderson arrangement. He didn't arrange much at that point, though, and I think it was a stock arrangement, although I have not seen that one. Those were done with uh, apparently just Tommy Ladnier on cornet. I don't know if there was a second cornet in there. Jimmy Harrison, and otherwise the band, just the same. Then we ended up with kind of a, a, a draggy tune, but uh, really kind of a, a, a groovy, bluesy tune, Feeling Good by Murphy and Yellen. And that gave us a little time to enjoy uh, the playing of Bobby Stark, who would be a trumpet star with Henderson for the next four or five years, and then later with Chick Webb's band as well. And then, other than that, the same band too. Very consistent band personnel. And that was from April 6th of 1928. So we hope you've enjoyed this program. This is uh, These are somewhat lesser-known recordings by the Fletcher Henderson Band. Uh, they complement the uh, recordings by the full band, which in most cases was only the addition of two or three more musicians, uh, done for more major labels like Columbia, Volcanion, and RCA Victor. But these uh, Dixie Stompers recordings have a real spirit to them that uh, clearly these, these musicians were having fun, even if they weren't overly familiar with some of the tunes. They might have just been put in front of them for the recording date. Who knows? So this is the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Thank you for joining us. Hope you uh, make a regular habit of dropping in on us here in the Jazz Focus. And if you are so inclined, please consider sponsoring us. We are uh, doing this uh, for fun, of course, but we'd love to have some more members of the family. We are located on Anchor.fm. That's our home, but we can be found on Spotify, Apple Music, and other places where finer podcasts are found. So thank you very much, and I'll see you on the other side.